You're listening to The Living Word with Danny Hodges of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Pete. Struggle with it in marriage. Struggle with it in your job. Struggle with it in life. You want to be first. I don't naturally think of a blessing when the guy cuts me off on the road. I don't naturally think of a blessing. My horn gave out two weeks ago in my truck. My wife couldn't have been happier. Unfortunately, I got it repaired last Thursday. God first, others second. I'm third. Whether we care to admit it or not, each and every one of us struggles with the greatest commandment of all. Love God, love others, love self. As rudimentary as this command seems, we can all agree that the world would be better off if we just practiced such a command. In today's message, Pastor Danny reflects on just how crucial this part of our walk is as believers in Christ. In his study, you'll gain a better understanding of the heavenly wisdom that the Apostle Paul mentions in the closing of his letters to the Romans. Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of Romans, chapter 16, as he begins his message, I, Tertius. chapter 16, and we left off in verse 21. And what Paul does here is similar to what he did a few verses ago. He mentioned some of his ministry associates, starting with one of his choice ministry associates, verse 21, Timothy, my co-worker, sends his greetings, as do Lucius, Jason, Susipater, my fellow Jews. Verse 22, very interesting. I, Tertius, who wrote down this letter, greet you in the Lord. Gaius, whose hospitality I and the whole church here enjoy, sends you his greetings. Erastus, who is the city's director of public works. And our brother Quartus send you their greetings. And he closes with these words. Now, to him who is able to establish you, that is a statement of maturity. Establish you. You're rooted. You're grounded. Establish you in accordance with my gospel, the gospel of Jesus Christ. The message I proclaim about Jesus Christ in keeping with the revelation of the mystery hidden for long ages past, but now revealed and made known through the prophetic writings by the command of the eternal God. Now, he's especially talking about what was hidden in regard to the suffering of the Messiah. Even though there are specific prophecies detailing his suffering, they didn't get a suffering Messiah. It was hidden. So that all the Gentiles might come to the obedience that comes from faith to the only wise God, 
be glory forever through Jesus Christ. Amen. Interesting way God led me in these last few verses. It's one statement, two words from the text. I, Tertius. That's the title. And it's a great close, especially following up from last weekend. Last weekend was verses 17 through 20, and the subject matter was watch out and stay away from those who cause divisions among you. And the character of those that cause divisions, he told us, they're serving not the Lord, but their own appetites. They're selfish. They have selfish ambition. They're not thinking of the good of the whole. They're thinking about themselves. They're looking to move up. We looked at James chapter 3. James chapter 3. And I'm just going to go back and read from James chapter 3, verse 13. Who is wise, wise and understanding among you. Let them show it by the good life, the deeds done in humility that comes from wisdom. There's wisdom again. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition, selfish ambition in your hearts, don't boast about it, deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder in every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all, pure, peace-loving, considerate of others, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial, sincere, peacemakers who sow in peace, raise a harvest of righteousness, wisdom, wisdom, wisdom. God's wisdom is the opposite of selfish ambition. It's opposite of selfishness. And as we looked at last week, the first sin God found in Lucifer was selfishness, selfish ambition. The wisdom of God, they didn't catch it. They didn't see it. First Corinthians, fascinating, fascinating truth. Still boggles my mind. 1 Corinthians 2, verse 6. Paul the Apostle writing, We, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, those established in the faith, but not the wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. No, we declare God's wisdom a mystery that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. None of the rulers of this age understood it. For if they had, listen, listen to this. For if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. If they'd understand the wisdom of heaven, the wisdom that if you're established, that's our text from Romans, established, by the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the kind of wisdom you'll understand. That's the kind of wisdom you'll live by. That's the kind of wisdom you'll reflect. Not the wisdom of the world or of the rulers of the world. And if they'd known that wisdom, they'd never crucified Jesus. Amazing statement. It's the wisdom of the cross. 
It's the wisdom of saying no to self. That's what Jesus did. It's the wisdom you read about in Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Who being very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing. By taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself, becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. And what we'll get to if you don't fall asleep is the next. Therefore, therefore, because he lived by that kind of wisdom, God exalted him to the highest place. Gave him the name that's above every name. I was reminded of a story. Don't know where I heard it. I don't know if it's true or not. I don't know if it was an illustration in the message. It was so many years ago, but it popped into my mind in preparation for this message. And the story went something like this. It was a star high school athlete, football player. Senior year, freshman, new teammate. Just happened to be over at this guy's house and in his bedroom, he had on his wall this statement, I am third. I am third. And the new teammate said, what do you mean you're third, man? You're not third. You're number one, man. You're number one. And then this guy began to explain to him that he was a Christian. And that as a Christian, what he had learned and what he was learning that the Bible taught him and as a disciple of Jesus Christ, he was to put God first others second, and himself third. The wisdom of God. The wisdom of God. We need to pause just for a minute and declare to a wise God that he is indeed wise. In the context of this kind of wisdom. And that's what the text records for us. To the only wise God be glory forever through Jesus Christ. Now, here's what I want to do. Here's what I want to do. And, and, and I hope you'll, I hope everybody will take part. God's called the men to be leaders, so we're going to lead out. And we're going to say this, and you're going to say it loudly, loudly, loudly. And as we say it, I'm going to count to three. We'll say it together, just the men, just the men. And then we're going to give the ladies a turn. And it's a good spiritual competition. I expect the men to win. We want to know who's going to declare to God the loudest that he is wise. And he's the only wise God. And I don't want to take advantage of the microphone as a man and make it louder just because I have the mic. So when I count to three and the men are going to say this, I'm going to turn the mic off. All right. I'll turn it off before I count to three. I'll count to three loud enough that everybody can hear. And every man here, every man here, I want you to say it to God, not to me, not toward, you know. We're saying it to God. He's listening. And he's the only wise God. So you got it? On the count of three, men first, we're going to say together to God, declaring his wisdom. Ladies, you can't. No, you're not going to afford. No, we're going to give the ladies a turn. So again, I'm going to turn the mic off. I'm going to count to three, and then I'm going to let the ladies declare to God his wisdom. You ready? One, two, three, ladies. To the only wise God be glory forever through Jesus 
vote who I, I think, man, uh, we won, right? Yeah. You know why we do that? Because we want to be first. That's the antithesis of the message. Now, here's what I want to do to close it out. I want us all to say it even louder than you said it the first time and we're saying it to God. Only this time, there's something else added in the text. And I want us all together to add what the text adds, and it's amen. I don't want to assume everybody knows what amen means. Amen means it is true. Amen can also mean so be it. If you hear a prophecy, sometimes the response to the prophecy, yet future, not fulfilled yet, is amen. So be it. So be it. So it can mean it is true. We agree with that truth. Or it can mean so be it. And so we're saying this is true. This is true. We're declaring it. We're saying amen. So we're going to all say it together. And I'm going to leave my mic on this time, but we're going to say it as loud as we can all together, guys and gals. And we're going to add after we make the statement to God, we're going to say amen. You ready? One. Yes. Stand there. Thank you, Nelson. Thank you. 38 years pastor. He's helping me out. All right. All right. You ready? One, two, Three, to the only wise God be glory forever through Jesus Christ. Amen. One more time, a little bit louder. One, two, three, to the only wise God be glory forever through Jesus Christ. Amen. Praise the Lord. If we just did that for the rest of the message, the wisdom of God. You say, why in the world did you title the message, I, Tertius? Because that's what his name means. Tertius means third. I, third, who wrote down this letter, greet you in the Lord. I want to take you to a few texts to drive home what God has to say to us here. Mark's Gospel, chapter 12. Mark's Gospel, chapter 12. Jesus often debated in his first coming with the religious leaders. He never lost a debate. And in this one debate, he's debating with the Sadducees, and in the midst of the debate, verse 28, one of the teachers of the law, so this guy knows the Bible, came and heard them debating. Noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked him, of all the commandments, which is the most important? That's an excellent question. They had meticulously divided up the Old Testament commandments into 613 specific commandments. And so what he's saying is of all the 613 commandments we know in the Bible, which are the most important? And Jesus, verse 29, says the most important one, answer Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There's no commandment greater than these. Anybody can understand that answer. You can put it another way. You can put it the same way that high school 
football star, put it on his wall. God first, other second, and I am third. It's not natural. It doesn't come naturally. We saw that last week as we looked at even the, the, the starting team that Jesus prayed all night and chose, and they, they struggled because that's the root of sin. It's selfishness. We all struggle with it. You struggle with it in marriage. You struggle with it in your job. You struggle with it in life. You want to be first. I don't naturally think of a blessing when the guy cuts me off on the road. I don't naturally think of a blessing. My horn gave out two weeks ago in my truck. My wife couldn't have been happier. <laughs> Unfortunately, I got it repaired last Thursday. God first, others second, I'm third. The Jewish leaders in Jesus' first coming were terrible examples of this. Terrible. And sometimes today, religious leaders are terrible examples of this. I don't want to, I want to be a good example. Matthew chapter 23. One of the things got Jesus into so much trouble is he, he, he told the truth about these religious leaders. In Matthew 23, verse 1, Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, he wants to teach them, the teachers of the law and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. They've been given a position of authority religiously. Uh, you must be careful to do everything they tell you, but don't do what they do, for they don't practice what they preach. They tie up heavy, cumbersome loads and put them on other people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to move them. Everything they do is done for people to see. They make the phylacteries wide. That was the leather box that they keep the scriptures in. They, they wear it on their forehead, and they made it wide to say, I know more scripture than you. The tassels on their garments, they made them long. That was their prayer tassels. My prayer life's better than yours. They love the place of honor at banquets, the most important seats in the synagogues. They love to be greeted uh, with respect in the marketplaces and to be called rabbi by others. But you're not to be called rabbi, for you have one teacher and you're all brothers. Don't call anyone on earth father, for you have one father and he's in heaven. Catholic Church ought to read that one. Nor are you to be called instructors, for you have one instructor, the Messiah. The greatest among you, listen to this, the greatest among you will be your servant. And this is what I want you to really see. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled. And those who humble themselves will be exalted. Don't you marvel at Jesus? John chapter 13, one of the most... <laughs> incredible records of the life of Jesus. And this is just prior to him going to the cross. He would go to the garden of Gethsemane. He would sweat. He would experience what's called hematidrosis. And he's so emotionally distraught that the, the, the blood and the sweat are mixed and coming out, you know, and he's sweating great drops of blood. Chapter 13, verse 1, it was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world. He's going to the cross. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. I love another translation that says he loved them to the utmost. Another one says he showed them the full extent of his love. You would think that's the cross, but... Knowing he's going to the cross, look what he does. The evening meal was in progress. The devil had already prompted Judas 
son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power so he can get out of it. They had come from God, was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him. He, he washed all their feet, including Judas's. That's like you're in your last hours in this life, and you say to your wife, you mind if I do the dishes before I go to the hospital? He was the ultimate example. What, what a savior. What a savior. What a wise God. And here's what I, here's what I find. Uh, living as, as third, the Bible says, is genuine proof that I love God. It's not how much scripture you know. It's not how much you attend church. Not how, not how great an orator I am as a pastor. No, no. Look, so convicting, so challenging. Living as third is genuine proof that I love God. And I don't live third naturally. That's why Paul the Apostle said, I die daily. I die daily. John writes in 1 John chapter 4, anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. Because if you say you love God, who you don't see, and you don't love your brother, who you do see, it doesn't make sense. But here's the good part of living third. One more scripture just before we go to our very last scripture in the message, but go with me to Luke chapter 14. Luke chapter 14. This is where the rubber meets the road. Luke chapter 14. It's a dinner. Jesus is at the dinner. In verse 7, look at what it says. When he noticed how the guests picked the places of honor at the table, he told them this parable. When someone invites you to a wedding feast, don't take the place of honor. For a person more distinguished than you may have been invited. If so, the host who invited both of you will come and say to you, give this person your seat. Then humiliated, you will have to take the least important place. But when you're invited, take the lowest place. So when your, when your host comes, he will say to you, friend, move up to a better place. Then you will be honored in the presence of all the other guests. And now here's the statement again. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled. And those who humble themselves will be exalted. That's word saying together. You ready? Here we go. Those who exalt themselves will be humbled. And those who humble themselves will be exalted. Jacob and Esau, how did Jacob get his name? His twin brother was coming out of the womb first. And he wanted to be first. So he grabbed his brother's heel. He's a baby. But the sin nature is there, even in the womb. And he wanted to pull his brother back and get out first. And God prophesied about his life. Then in the culture... The firstborn, which Esau was the firstborn, Jacob wasn't able to pull him back and get out first, and yet God had a plan for Jacob's life. And it was prophesied that for him, it wouldn't be like the culture where the firstborn gets the double inheritance, that the younger is going to get what the older in the culture would normally get. But he would have to learn that. Forever. 
Thanks for joining us today to study the Book of Romans here on The Living Word with Pastor Danny Hodges. You can hear this message again or more of Pastor Danny's teachings at our website, ccfstpete.church. Just look under the Resources tab and click on Teachings. We'd also like to encourage you to subscribe to our YouTube channel to stay up to date on the latest videos. If you have any questions, prayer requests, or would simply like to talk with us, feel free to send us an email. Our address is info at ccfstpete.church. Again, that email address is info at ccfstpete.church. Be sure to let us know how we can be praying for you when you send us that email. If you're in or near the St. Petersburg area, we would be happy to meet you in person. We invite you to join us for our weekly church services at Calvary Chapel Fellowship. Check out our website for service times and all the information you need to join us. In addition to our in-person services, we also live stream each service. So don't let distance hold you back from worshiping with us this weekend. Find out more on our website. Once again, that's ccfstpete.church. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Be sure to tune in again next time as Pastor Danny continues to teach through the book of Romans right here on The Living Word.